0: Hello, I'm Matt Kirkgaard, editor of Australian Brews News, found at brewsnews.com.au. Welcome to Radio Brews News. What is this all about? Well, beer is a conversation, and this is the first of what we hope will be a regular feature on Australian Brews News, where we invite some of Australia's most involved and hopefully best informed beer personages to discuss the important beer issues of the day. So without any further ado, I would like to introduce today's guests... Today we have the lady regarded as Australia's first woman of beer, the beer diva herself, Curly Waldhorn. Welcome to Bruce News Radio, Kiralee. Thanks,
1: Matt, How are you doing today?
0: Very well. It's a beautiful day in Brisbane. Um, it's too early for a beer. We're recording this before lunchtime and I don't like to uh, have a beer, but how about you? How are things in Sydney?
1: to uh, stay here in Sydney as well, and um, I'm sitting here with my cup of tea um, for the same reason. Too early. And
0: what? What tea does a beer diva drink? A little bit of uh, Lapsang Souchong?
1: No, although I do have a bit of Lapsang Souchong. I'm drinking a lovely rose and vanilla tea at the moment. And I, um, I've i always thought about how nice it would um, transfer over to beer. But uh, Ben Krauss had told me he's tried it and rose and beer do not work together.
0: There you go. So what beer have you been drinking? What have you been enjoying lately? What sticks in your mind? Mm,
1: I've actually um, I've been really enjoying the Mad Brewer's Scribbly Gum lately. Um, I've used it for a few of my events and uh, obviously whenever I buy beer for my events, I buy enough for me as well. And um, yeah, it's just one of those beers that you start drinking and before you know it, you've got to the end of the bottle um, really easy drinking, lots of lovely smoked qualities in the beer, and you know that lovely bit of spice as well. So, I give it the thumbs up.
0: I have to agree with you. I um I thought that it was probably their best seasonal beer um, that they've brought out.
1: Yeah, me too. Um,
0: that- and their seasonals tend to be pretty good. I haven't really enjoyed the fruit beers, but I thought it was a really good, uh, very enjoyable beer.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been good. And, yeah, they should probably maybe avoid the fruit beers next time and just keep with uh, these other interesting brews they're doing. We'll
0: leave the fruit <laughs> to cider and lambics. Yes. Now we also have, he. you wouldn't call him Australia's first gentleman of beer, but he's very close to being Australia's first bloke of beer, Pete Mitchum, also known as Beer Blokes. Pete, why are you known as beer blokes when there's only one of you?
2: Oh, that part of that's, I guess, to um, you know, maintain a bit of the uh, uh, the secrecy or the, you know, a bit of mystery uh, about the brand. Uh, but also, it means that um, later on, when I get lazy, I can get other people to uh, jump in and help out with me.
0: Don't get me started talking about brands. You know how I get. Um, <laughs> and what have you been enjoying of late? Being given that you're from uh, Australia's craft beer capital, Melbourne. And I've just, uh, you can send emails uh, when I say things like that to editor at brewsnews.com.au, you ladies and gentlemen, if you don't agree that Melbourne is Australia's beer capital. Sorry, Pete, what have you been drinking? Uh, mate, the, uh, Professor Pilsner's fridge has
2: contained uh, many and varied beers this week, but I have been enjoying the 2011 version of the Cascade First Harvest Ale. Um, there's also been a little bit of Fat Yak, which I've been revisiting, uh, and in preparation for... Uh, A topic that will come up no doubt later in this podcast. I've been trialing uh, a little bit of the BrewDog range, um, particularly the 5am Saint. It's a very good beer, isn't it? Yeah, lovely, And, and nice. Nice to revisit it. It's good just you know. It's good excuse for homework.
0: Not only do we have Australia's first woman of beer and Australia's first beer bloke, we also have the man that could quite rightly claim the title of Australia's unofficial brand ambassador for all things craft beer, the crafty pine himself, Mr. James Smith. Welcome aboard, James. Good
3: day, Matt. How are you going?
0: So, James, you've been flat out with uh, put it, pulling good beer week together. Have you managed to find time to uh, enjoy a beer? And if so, what have you been drinking?
3: Uh, yeah, I've had a few beers this week. I went to Josie Bones for their first hop half his dinner on Wednesday night. So there was uh, five uh, harvest beers there, four of them uh, Australian. So we got to try um, Bridge Road's Harvest Ale, um, Red Hill's Hop Harvest, and the Wild Hop Ale from Otway Estate, and a new Topaz uh, Merzen from Bright, which wasn't particularly Merzen-like, but was pretty interesting. Um, And all four very different beers, different stories behind them and uh, different hops, different uh, approaches to them. So that's pretty cool. Anything stand out? Um, In terms of the food pairing i really enjoyed there was a suckling pig pig's head dish uh, that it, at some point included some brood dog tokyo i believe in, in the cooking process that went fantastically well with the uh, red hill hop harvest and the most intriguing thing for me was i'd ordered a uh, twisted thistle ipa so sort of uh, more uk style ipa to have in between and was really enjoying that and then when i had a mouthful of that um after the hop harvest ran out with uh, after a mouthful of the suckling pig it C- clashed completely. Um, it was quite amazing how bad <laughs> the clash was in comparison to how well the hop harvest had gone with the, uh, the suckling pigs. So That's pretty interesting. Something maybe to look at sort of for beer dinners is to sort of actually put a beer that really doesn't match with something alongside one that really does match and sort of highlight to people the thought that does go into pairing food.
0: Great idea, and uh, I have to say that I can't wait to get down to Melbourne, and Josie Bones is one of the highlights, so I'm really looking forward to checking out. Yeah, I so,
3: oh, was at dinner, and they'd, they'd sold out every seat, um, and they'd put on a, a feast, certainly. Um, yeah, I wouldn't have headed there if you were a vegetarian, but there was there was plenty, of, uh, plenty to go around.
0: Now, uh, as we'll do each time we record one of these, we'll uh, start with a little bit of bean news before we get into the topic under discussion, and... I guess, at risk of being shouted down, uh, surely uh, the biggest uh, word, story in beer this week was the royal wedding and beers banning from the royal wedding. James is our uh, unofficial UK correspondent. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on the, the royals and the royal wedding?
1: Uh,
3: well, it's kind of I guess it was a bit of a surprise, but almost in keeping with what we're, we're trying to do in you know in Australia in terms of improving the. Uh, sort of the wider public's impression of beer that it isn't, you know, just that something that it isn't something that's uncouth, but I guess that must be the line they're taking. I think it wasn't the the reasoning that it's not sort of up to scratch. It's not quite sort of, you know, upmarket enough to have at the the royal dinner. Um I'd imagine that, you know, Harry and his mates would have been cracking into a few later on once they were away from the watchful eyes of um, the grandparents. But um, yeah, it just seemed a bit of a shame given how many breweries actually got out of the way to make special beers, which I'm hopefully going to have some waiting for me when I return to the UK for a few weeks in June. But yeah, it just seemed a bit of a, an unnecessary snub. But in some ways, it sort of, I guess you could, it did get a bit of, you get people talking about beer as well.
0: I agree with you. That was my first reaction. I had two thoughts about the Royal Wedding. First of all, look, it just highlights the perception problem that we're all working to change. And having, you know, as, as much as I love hearing someone like Pete Brown um, talk about beer, having him uh, call out the royal family using uh, some fairly colourful language, I didn't think did anything to, you know, change anyone's perception that beer is a drink of Worfie's. Um, but secondly, when you look at what actually did feature, apart from the expensive champagne, they had vodka and Red Bull on the menu. Now, it, it, how can it be okay to drink vodka and Red Bull um, and not beer? That's that's a big question I have. Prof, what are your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I must admit, I I was a little bit surprised at the, at the hoo-ha that that developed because I would have figured that, I mean, look, I guess the initial impression was that, you know, there's probably no room for beer after all the bathtubs full of gin and tonic. Um, but look, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, that I, I think, um, you know, the, what developed afterwards in terms of, uh, you know, the name calling and that sort of thing probably, yeah, unfortunately reinforced some of the uh, the reasons that I think some people probably thought that beer wasn't welcome at the at the wedding.
0: Kiralee, any, any thoughts from your perspective and uh, any thoughts on the dress most importantly? Oh, is that because I'm the girl? <laughs> well, I've got to say something to offend people. stereotype here.
1: The dress was stunning. I thought um, Pippa was stunning. I thought Harry and William looked absolutely fabulous in their uniforms. In terms of the whole um, beer snubbing at the wedding, yeah, I was highly offended. I got on the phone to the Queen and, you know, asked her what was going on. But um, in all seriousness, I think it, again, not only comes down to perceptions, but also presentation. And, you know, if, if beer had been served at the Royal Wedding in their lovely crystal wine glasses, would that have been as uh, as offensive as they thought it may have been served in a pint glass? So, you know, that to me I think um, is another one of these key issues just in terms of that people's perceptions of beer is how it's presented.
0: Spot on. I mean, I, perception is so important. Sorry, James. So
3: it was suggested on Twitter that potentially it was um, a sort of ongoing result of the Queen having been sent... Bottle number one of last year's crown ambassador. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, I was going to ask, uh, and, and I'd suggested to uh, um, the good people at Foster's that maybe they consider sending this year's bottle to Australia's leading republican um, instead. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, they, they do recommend that you don't open it for five years. So, given that we've only we're only coming up to what bottle three. Mm-hmm. Um, the Queen won't have been able to have her views changed by the Crown Ambassador Reserve yet because she's not tried it.
2: Okay. She'll probably just end up using it to launch a ship.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It may well burn through the hole. That's the only danger.
0: (laughs) Fair enough, and that's alluding to the Britannomyces issue last year. I I was going to talk about this when we were talking about um, harvest beers and uh, some of the interesting beers that are coming up, but we can talk about that now. I don't know if you keep a close eye on what's going on in the US at the moment, but just in the last uh, four or five months, I've read uh, there have been at least three or four um, leading craft breweries that have either withdrawn, not sold, or just apologised for their oak aged beers becoming infected with uh, Britannomyces, exactly the same way. Um, But... I mean, I really think that in in, in this case, I would much rather see the the big brewers like Foster's doing interesting beers like Crown Ambassador Reserve um, than not doing them. And, uh, you know, if if you are playing without a net and doing things that are a little bit interesting, you are going to have things like this happen.
3: No, I think this is a good time to raise it, given that in 10 days' time or two weeks' time, they'll be releasing the, I say, as yet untitled Abbotsford Brew, and... It's the, co- the collaboration between Mountain Goat, Foster's, and um, Moon Dog. Uh, you know, it, it, it was it was their sort of craft beer on Matilda Bay, that did it. But that does show a willingness within at least part of the organisation to try something new, um, which I think some people don't want to give them credit for. But I think credit has to, you know, credit where credit's due. Uh, so you know, there is an element of that going on, and, and we'll, we'll see what develops from that.
0: Prof, any anything to add? Yeah, Matt. Uh, do you, uh... With what you were saying, it gives me the impression, that
2: you sort of work on the principle, I guess, similar to myself, that you're better off, I guess, having a crack at something and not quite nailing it um, than, you know, the greatest risk is to take no risk at all kind of principle. Um, my, As we've discussed before, I think probably had they been a little more genuine in um, admitting that uh, there was an issue with it, I think then perhaps the public perception would have been better. Um uh, I think the problem is that it kind of gets in the way of um, of the release of the the 2011 um, because I think it's still it's still clouded by last year's issues.
0: But when you say uh, the public perception outside of you know the, the the rarefied world of people that actually are very interested in beer, such as ourselves and you know the, the comparatively small beer community, how how wide do you think the perception about Crown Ambassador was last year? Because I certainly went to two or three tastings where it was showcased and people who weren't beer writers or, you know, in beer insiders, so to speak, they tried it. They either liked it or they didn't, but I, I don't think it registered to them that there was any issue with it. Um, you know, it, it, and it, it, comes down to uh, that element of it, you know, whether it's good or bad comes down to, you know, what people know and what they expect it to be.
1: Mm, I agree, Matt. And I, you know, attended the, the dinner in Sydney and I actually was sat with quite a few wine writers um, and they all loved it. Um, and whether they're just used to, you know, those, uh, those sort of what we would call off, off characters in wine, um, I don't know, but they found it really interesting and, um, you know, all the complexities that maybe they're not used to finding in beer they found in this beer. So I think you're right in terms of that public perception. I'm not sure how far out into the public that negative perception actually carries.
0: Exactly. And, you know, I think, um, you know, to me, yes, there was a problem with it. Um, Pete, I don't know. The, the one issue that I've really agonised over trying to answer in my own mind is whether they did know. And when you speak to John Cousins, and I think we all spoke to him at some stage about it. Um, he said that they genuinely didn't know. Um, and mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> What's that? Who's, who was that? They knew. they knew. What makes you say that?
3: Uh, just from speaking to people who were involved uh, you know, before it was released, that they knew there was an issue there. Maybe that's a bit controversial, but um, oh no,
0: that's what we're we, we're here to discuss. So,
3: I you know I mean, it's, it's certainly my belief that there was. You know, that from speaking to people who would have been involved in the process, that they knew there was an issue, um, and for whatever reason, put the beer out there as, it, as, as they did.
0: We'll wait and see how this year's goes, but yeah, again, I, I personally was pleased to see that they were persisting with uh, doing a little bit of oak ageing and putting it in. Now, obviously, that's a big part of the cachet, but it also makes beers interesting. And if it gets people, you know, who are buying $90 a bottle of beers, thinking about how a beer is made, then uh, I'm all for that.
2: Yeah, and look, you know, if God hadn't meant us to make mistakes, he wouldn't have put the little rubbers on the end of black lead pencils. But I think once you realise that there's an issue, I think you probably then need to perhaps step up to the plate and say, you know what, it's, it's not exactly what we intended, um, but it is what it is.
0: Yeah, Prof, well put. Um, yeah, I think uh, openness is always the best policy. Now... Let's talk a little bit about collaboration brews. Um, James, I believe there have been some uh, interesting collaboration brews going on in your neck of the woods? Yep. Um, there was Brisbane's first collaboration brew brewed yesterday in a very small, literally a very small scale. Uh, just a collaboration between McLaren Vale's brewer and Ross Kendrick from Craft Brewer. Brewed up 150 litres of uh, a American IPA for the Milking the Cow Festival up at the Spotted Cow in Toowoomba. So... That's the first that we can chalk off for Brisbane. But what's been happening down in Melbourne?
3: Uh, well, obviously there was the um, the brew mentioned just before between uh, Goat, Moondog and uh, Matilda Bay. Um, I should point out here before um, Brendan uh, potentially <laughs> from Feral potentially gets upset again, when I ran stories a while ago saying that the, uh, two, the Two Hills brew between Red Hill and Hargraves Hill was the first collaborative brew in Australia, it was highlighted that... That's not the case, that feral did one with Kwarum up uh, a couple of years ago. So that bit of uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? <laughs> that that tidied up anyway. But uh, yeah, the biggest one obviously is the one that's going to be launched during Good Beer Week. Uh, it's a Belgian double with raisins and muscovado sugar and uh, a Belgian waffles in it. Um, so that, that should be pretty interesting. I think it's going to be released on the Wednesday. I don't believe it's going to have any name or anything attached to it. It's just going to go out there in a sort of mysterious manner and... Uh, it should be pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, it seems to be something that's picking up, certainly, that people are sort of sharing ideas. And I believe there's a, another Victorian brewer will be announcing fairly soon, a hookup with someone in the, in Europe as well, a collaborative brewer over there. So seems to be all the rage.
0: Now, with all of these out there and exciting and, uh, you know, envelope-pushing seasonal beers or collaborate, collaboration beers, is, is that leading, do you think, to the underwhelming response that we've had to, for example, the Little Creatures uh, marsen beer that, that they've released, which everyone seems to be going, yeah, it's all right, but just seem to be very underwhelmed by it, thinking that any seasonal beer needs to be uh, you know, completely over the top and envelope uh, pushing. I
3: think that hopefully there will be some sort of swing back I think that in some places there's a bit of a swing back to people looking for just well-made beers of a, you know, mortar style. Um, I think there are, you know, there's still an element of people that all they want to do is chase bigger and bigger beers, you know, bigger and bigger and crazier, both within the brewing world and probably more within the sort of the extreme beer lovers world. But I think there's a lot of people who are are keen to see, you know, just well-made beers, whether they're on a, you know, the permanent roster or whether they are seasonals um, and, Hopefully there'll be a sort of redressing of the balance there because at the end of the day it's good to have people pushing the envelope, but you don't want those sort of beers all the time. And and for sort of craft beer to get more of a hold in the wider community, I think there needs to be more, you know, just very well made, good beers that that aren't going to sort of freak people out.
0: Curly, have you tried the little creatures? No,
1: I haven't actually. But I was talking to someone the other day who had it on tap in their venue. And they said it's absolutely flying out the door. And I think, you know, to, to James's point, you have got these two quite different groups of beer drinkers. You know, you have the, the sort of hardcore that are looking for those big out there flavours and then you have people who just appreciate great, great beer. Um, and we probably forget that there is such a big group of those people who are looking for those well-constructed beers that aren't necessarily out there and crazy um, so when you talk to venues who have got the, for instance, like the the Little Creatures on tap, it's working really well for them.
0: And, and Prof, there, there's a whole market out there for people who, you know, the, the Little Creatures um, Mars and Beer um, is about as adventurous as they'll ever want to get, well, don't you think?
2: I, I, I think perhaps is it more a case of, you know, perception in the marketing that, that once you attach a, a label saying single batch, is there automatically then, I guess, a, a perception that, uh, you know, people read between the lines and say, you know, something special. Uh, whereas if they'd just put out a little creature's marzen, or if Sam Fuss is listening, a medicine because she, she'll give me a smack <laughs> for mispronouncing it, um, the, it, there wouldn't have been, I guess, the perceived disappointment um, that seems to have followed it.
0: Yeah, and I mean... I... To, to me it's a shame if they're pressure if they feel the need to make incredibly big beers because I know that in the past they've used their one off beers as a you know market test for, for beers that have then gone into their permanent roster um, and you know little creatures have made a very successful business out of making beers that aren't necessarily the most extreme beers but they can take a lot of credit for really igniting all that's happened in Australia in the last 10 years because they've brought Little Creatures parallel to Australia. Um, and, I, you know, it's one of those things It does everything have to be a huge, you know, challenge, not a pleasure, drinking a 30-mil glass of um, beer. So
3: to realise that a single batch for Little Creatures is rather larger than it is for a lot of, a lot of the breweries putting out the more extreme beers.
0: Oh, exa- exactly. So, and... Uh, same with the Cascade First Harvest. In terms of some of the harvest ales that are out, it's just a, a very nicely put together, very drinkable beer. Um, Ten years ago when they first brought it out, it was quite out there and extreme and perception changing. These days it's just very, very drinkable. And um, the thing about having a big brewery and making a lot of beer is you need to sell it. And uh, I know that, James, you and I have discussed this before, that you know there really hasn't been the change across the country that there has been in pockets in melbourne that everybody is drinking
1: i was going to beer. ask matt whether you'd actually spoken to anyone at little creatures um to gauge their sort of feeling in terms of the success of their medicine um have you spoken to them in terms of where where they see it
0: no I, not, not officially i've uh, spoken to a couple of people um associated with the brewery and you know i think they're quite pleased with it, but they're, they're very conscious, in my understanding, of the uh, that, you know, reaction yeah. of being underwhelmed. And again, you know, I think the only people that are taking to the airwaves to voice their thoughts about it are the sort of people that are a little bit more into their beer than people that might just try it and not buy another glass. You know, people like us, I guess, try it and then feel the need to take to the airwaves <laughs> to to damn it. So it's 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 the the, the public chatter is not the most uh, accurate response i guess how it's selling in in venues that have got it on is the best response but certainly little creatures seem to be aware that there is that f- and, and some people
2: it. may not be aware that uh the concept uh of the of the single batch uh is that the head brewer will sort of send it out to the staff if you like the um, the assistant brewers the brewing staff and say right you guys come back with a with a style and then we'll we'll go with it now perhaps if uh, if people knew that uh, and those people and they know who they are and I remember my grade three teacher saying sometimes the empty vessels make the most noise um, but the ones who are I guess bleating a bit about uh, the disappointment in uh, in the single batch if it had come out as a you know I don't know you know staff selection or the uh, you know the brewers choice or something would that have have altered the, um, the result?
0: Yeah, no, you don't have to travel too far. I mean, certainly Brisbane, you don't have to leave the city before, you know, you you find a string of hotels that don't even have James Squire on. Um, And I use James Squire as one of the most easily obtainable um, beers. Um, And when when you look at capital cities where the majority of hotels don't even feel the need to have anything vaguely non-lagerish on the taps, then... There really isn't much of a market um, apart from these little craft beer oases um, for anything with you know loads and loads of flavour. So uh, you know, Prof, what was the beer that really got you thinking differently about? My beer? well beer or my epiphany beer? Um, yep.
2: It was mountain goat pale ale, and it was just one of those things that uh, it it just it looked different. It was a different size bottle, it was, um, you know, it smelled a bit funky compared to, you know, the bland macro lagers that I'd been brought up on, not that there's anything wrong with those, um, time and place and all that sort of stuff, um, but it's, it, that, that was the one that, that really, it, it changed my perceptions of what beer could be and and from there, I guess you, um, you know, the journey begins and you, and you go out then looking for, you know, what else is out there and now that I know that there's something different, you know, what what's the next thing?
0: James how about you have you always been a a crafty sort Um, of guy or
3: yeah I guess growing up in the UK I was lucky enough that there was always good beer around and I was always an ale drinker from you know day one um but in some ways it meant you kind of got lazy about it you never really thought about the fact that you were lucky to have this beer um it was only sort of coming over to other parts of the world as a backpacker that you realized how much other people were suffering um but there was I guess a there was one beer that stood out, I guess, that opened my eyes it was a few years ago on a I was working over in the States briefly and went to a bar in Boston with some other um journal know, and it's a bar with 120 taps, I think it is 124 taps. And he sort of took me on a bit of a journey through some of his favourite beers. And it's the first time I ever came across Dogfish Head's 90 minute IPA. Um and I never had a big, you know, American IPA in that style before and that certainly blew me away for the moment it you know appeared on the table in front of me and that was
0: Gee, you jumped right into the deep Uh, end didn't you i think he
3: might have sort of warmed up with a couple of those before but yeah i think it was they had a little sort of muslin bag holding hot flowers over the end of the tap and it just sort of having been someone who'd always been lucky enough to live somewhere where i drank good beer this was still one that stood out and made you sort of reassess what was going i guess also because you have the impression that you know until You dive into the craft side of things, it's easy to have the impression that American beer is terrible, you know, from the the, the bigger brands, but this was a a real eye-opener, and I guess almost like a precursor to coming over here a few years ago and rocking up at Mountain Goat Brewery a few weeks after getting off the plane and seeing what was going on here.
0: How about you, Kiralee? What was your epiphany beer? Um,
1: I think everyone knows my epiphany beer (laughs) was, uh, obviously, um, I was working for Lion Nathan at the time. So the James Squire range was my first, um, I guess, foray into craft beer. And um, it was the the porter served alongside a piece of chocolate cake, which really sort of changed my perception of not only what beer could be, but obviously the whole beer and food um, potential as well. But um, around the same sort of time, uh, the James Squire IPA came out too, and that, you know, to me, it just demonstrated flavours that I'd never actually experienced in beer before. Um, you know, I lived in England for eight years, and I certainly enjoyed visiting the the local. Um, Beer or tasting the local beers from the, the little villages that we went to. But, you know, I'm not going to pretend I often would order, order a pint of lager as well. So it was a really mixed um, experience in England. But, you know, it was, it was the Squires beers that, uh, that changed my world and um, that was the start of the journey.
0: But I, I spoke to Soren uh, Erickson from 8wide uh, recently and he's only been into beer for about four years, I think five years, he was in WA studying, tried Little Creatures Pale Ale and Snap. Um, within a couple of months, his wife had bought him a Cooper's Home Brew Kit. He was making his own, moved very quickly to All Grain. And you know, uh, two years later, he'd made a career in beer and now he's making some of the most interesting beers uh, that are coming out of New Zealand. And for me, that really... Captures why we need uh, little creatures to be making beers like that, at Mertzen, um, and you know we need Cascade getting broad markets thinking about hop flowers, and uh, you know those beers do so much good um, that they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting in the craft. But beer you mentioned world.
3: Little Creatures Pale as well. Actually, I had a mate came over uh, to visit just over a year ago, and he, I was in Perth at the time. He flew in, and so I made sure the first pint he had was a Little Creatures Pale, and he's been living in Munich on and off for the past maybe 15, 20 years. So obviously surrounded by good beer there. Um, and his first couple of mouth was, he was like, you know, what the hell is this? The different sort of um, American hot profile in the business. And then by the end of the trip, you know, he was always going, I want some more baby booze, obviously, because it's got the baby on there, not obviously booze for a baby. But um, and I, even just a few weeks ago, he was sort of getting in touch going, I wish I could get hold of some little creatures. So there, there he is in Munich, one of the beer capitals of the world. And he's still sort of... Getting cravings for uh, little creatures pale every now and then. You know, it is a you know it is, it is a beer that can I guess change people's opinions.
0: Now, speaking of changing people's opinions and getting beer out to the masses, uh, James, good beer week in Melbourne. How's that for a segue? Um, tell us a little bit. Of, tell us a little bit about it. What, what what's the background to it? Um, how did it spring up? And uh,
3: um, who's behind it? In no particular order, I guess. Word sort of came out maybe 10, 11 weeks ago that there was going to be no uh, Expo in Melbourne this year. Uh, there was a suggestion that we should put an event on, given there was going to be a lot of people, um, lots of the brewing industry in Melbourne, and that was going to be the, the beer debate. And then within a f- few days of saying, OK, let's, let's put a debate on, and it was Barney from Beer Luxus Chatting, to, been chatting to the guys from Bintani, and then another conversation just said, why don't we do it over a whole week? And I think we sort of looked around to see what would, might be on during that week and put feelers out and didn't really do much for a couple of weeks. And then sort of went, are we going to do this or not? And just put a bit of, you know, spoke to all the brewers and all the bars, put a bit of word out, and suddenly it's almost like the reverse of a house of cards. It all just sort of um, started happening very quickly. And there was the sort of people like Local Tap House and, some of the younger importers and newer beer bars were very switched on and did stuff straight away. And then I think once other people could see there was a bit of a structure in place, suddenly when we said, "Right, that's it, no more venues, no more events, it's done," the deluge came in and everyone went, "Hang on, we've heard about this now, can we be part of it?" So uh, it's all been a bit um, yeah, done in a pretty short timescale. There's uh, Matt from Boat Rocker helped out doing the uh, putting the website together because he sort of he's a photographer who taught himself how to do that kind of thing when he launched Boat Rocker. Um, Kate, who used to run the Fed Square showcases, come in and sort of banged our heads together and try to get us more organized. Um, and then a bit of funding from Little Creatures and Vintani and Fami came to the table this week with a little bit of help. And stuff, and off we go. Um, so just kind of said to venues, can you put something on and, and we'll try and help get the word out there. And the hope is that sort of tied in with the awards, which brings everyone to town, make use of the fact that people are here and then hopefully become sort of bigger and more structured and um, have, have more elements to it in, in the future.
0: Now, Prof, you, you've, you've got an event or two on uh, yeah, during the just, week?
2: Uh, from uh, Leading on from what James was saying, I think the... One of the best parts about beer, a good beer week is the is the the variety. It's it's not sort of uh, like there's you know a tasting here or a tasting there, at a tasting somewhere else. There's there are different events I guess that cater to a whole range. And at the end of the day, it's yeah, it's it's not just a showcase for for the for the beer nerds or for the you know the the in crowd or or you know setting up a place for the cool kids to hang out at the exclusion of others. It's, it's really all-encompassing and all sort of welcoming. So you've got things like beer dinners, you've got, um, you know, beer and food matchings, you've got the great debate, you've got the hair-of-the-dog breakfast with the BMN TV um, guys, and there's there's really something something for everyone.
3: And I think on the other side of it is that there's, there's, there, are, there are sort of casual walk-up affairs where, you know, there's just going to be a you know a sort of a, a curated tap list or there's just going to be... So, you know, different beers that would normally be in a venue that week. There's a few places doing that, so you can just rock in and don't have to. You know,
2: which is which is lucky when you think about the fact that the um, most of the, the ticketed events have, uh, have sold out. Uh, yeah. you know, two weeks out. Yeah,
0: and, and it's I mean it, it's brilliant that uh, this has sort of sprung up. You know, there have been a few people leading it, but it's been a largely organic um, exercise and importantly it's generated some mainstream uh media appeal and that's been largely uh through you james but just the 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 scale of the event is always going to come to attention of the media and that's been one of my criticisms of the aiba over the few years um that they've been having it what's the point of having the second largest beer awards in the world if it only matters to the people that that are there on the night and if it's not being used to get the word out to the public and get more people drinking beer Um, So, Good Beer Week really seems to have moved that ball forward uh, quite a way. I think. I
3: think so. That's one of the things I tried to get across in the piece that I wrote for AIB for their blog on their website. Just this week is that you know this is kind of if everyone's in town, there should be something for the punters at the end of the day. And you know, in the past, it's been kind of industry get together, as far as I can tell. And you know, great, everyone catches up, they have a good time, they go to the awards, and you know, and, and there's a bit of a tasting, but you know, you need to, to sort of appeal to the punters. And I think we're sort of, well. the, the way good beer we put is it's totally focused that way. You know, everything that we're doing pretty much or 99% is all about trying to get, give something back to drinkers and or encourage new people to come along and, and give, you know, a good beer a go. And I think hopefully for next year, there'll be more of a balance. There's talk of, you know, maybe a, a sort of more industry-focused conference or convention side of things. And I think the you know, AIBA and the RAS are sort of, woken up to, to what we're doing and you know, this, this talk of, you know, working more closely with them. And I think, you know, hopefully there'll be more we can offer that balance that there is a lot for the industry, there is a lot for punters and that we can just use it as a sort of, just an umbrella excuse, I guess, okay. to sort of do, to do lots of good things for, for lots of people.
0: Well, ultimately we want more people drinking beer and that's should be the focus of everything including the AIBA which is the Australian International Beer Awards and speaking of the Australian International Beer Awards Kiralee is that going to be the highlight of your week you've got a big announcement uh, about your role in in the awards
1: yes well uh, I'm I'm hosting it I'm the big MC this year which um, is obviously very exciting and uh, a nice honour and I think you know just to to James's point I think um the RSB and um, and the AIba have, have woken up to the fact that they need to do something different and um, they have probably gone extreme and thought we'll get a girl up there this year and uh, have her to <laughs> present the awards but um you know just in terms of the whole structure of the night I think it's more about a, um, a celebration whereas in the past I think it's probably just been a case of you know reading out the awards and and off everyone goes so I think you know that it should be quite a different experience this year um and i'm really excited about it um yeah look I, I can't really say anything about any inside knowledge but i think it's going to be a good night on the night
0: how many costume changes will we be having curly that's what i want to know. i'm in
1: negotiations i'm aiming for four i think i can probably fit four in if i can <laughs> there is definitely going to be costume changes though so uh i'm just negotiating with various designers at the moment
0: so they'll be serving beers in a glass this year?
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I, one of my memories of, I, I can't remember, it wasn't last year's, but it might have been the year before, was being offered a La quadruple in the stubby without a glass. Um, yes, and I, sort I of thought, think. well, how serious can they be about beer if, uh, if they're not celebrating and elevating beer in any way at all? Prof, well, as, as a man who spends a lot of his time... Uh, sharing his love of beer with as many people as he can. What, what's your thoughts about Good Beer Week and how it'll go spreading the word?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it, it, I'm excited that there's such a great opportunity to, to I guess, share the word. Um, there's a, hopefully, as we've discussed, uh, scope there for people to to feel welcome to, to just sort of wander along and enjoy it. And if that's, you know, their version of, I guess, you know, dipping their toe in at the shallow end, um, and then maybe it's a, a springboard for for the next couple of years. And you know, if we can, there's plenty more room on the bandwagon. So um, you know, anyone who wants to to join in is more than welcome. And I, I think that that's that's what I hope will um, will come out of Good Beer Week.
0: Really shows how strong. Um, and tying back into my comment uh, about Melbourne being the, the the beer capital, I know that there have been a lot of people working very very hard behind the scenes. But just to have seen the way that. As James said, one or two events have suddenly been stitched together into a week. Um, really shows how broadly supporting the industry is down there, which is fantastic. Um, I've tried to get similar events going on a much much smaller scale in in Brisbane, and first of all, there's not the venues. Secondly, venues don't see the benefit. You know, they, they don't see the raising tide lifts all boats. They just look at you know the, their own little piece, and they want to make sure that they're in the water and. Uh, not more people are drinking beer and it's it's approaches like have, uh, happening in melbourne that is really going to um keep beer front of mind and as a category um in, in, increase you know people's knowledge and awareness of it which is really important
3: now, without wishing to lift uh, one of barney's quotes from tuesday's forthcoming epicure article on it i think he said something along the lines of you know the reason it you know sort of We've been blown away. The reason that we think it happened is that the scene was already here. It just needed somewhat, you know, it just needed someone to actually pull it together. You know, it wasn't a case of having to force people to do stuff. It was kind of like, well, this is what you do. Let's just knit it all together. Um, so yeah, it was. It was kind of. It was here, just waiting to be. If you build it, they will come.
0: Prof, you were going to say something. No. <laughs> okay. That's <a> first. Well. <laughs> I, I think we've uh, sort of canvassed the issues in, in this week. I'd, this will go out before a uh, good beer week. If anyone hasn't gotten tickets to go down to Melbourne, I think even if you can't get tickets to the events, just being in Melbourne for the week uh, will be a highlight for a beer lover. Um, James, where can people get in touch with you? Where should they follow on Twitter, Facebook, uh, websites? Give yourself a big play.
3: Uh Well, uh, so the Crafty Pint, um, obviously craftypint.com uh, for the website. Uh, there's a newsletter you can sign up for on there, uh, The Crafty Pint um, on Twitter, um, wasting three uh, useful uh, letter spaces there. Um, and there's a Facebook page as well, The Crafty Pint. Uh, in terms of Good Beer Week, uh, Facebook is good beer, one word, space, week. Um, There is a Good Beer Week other page out there that's three words, but you want to go to the Good Beer Space Week one. Uh, There's also Good Beer Week on Twitter, and goodbeerweek.com has every single event on there. And if people want to sign up to to follow on Twitter or Facebook, there'll be some uh, ticket giveaways as well, I think. Um, And, yeah, just keep up to date, and hopefully everyone will come down and give it a go. I mean, we need people to support it to make it a success this year so that we can do it bigger and better next year.
0: I can't see any world in which it won't continue stronger <laughs> next year, James. Pete, where can people uh, follow your musings and various thoughts about beer? Uh,
2: reluctantly, at Beer Blokes on Twitter. Uh, no, no, it's a lovely, it's, it's great, and it doesn't waste any of my time. Um, and also uh, at www.beerblokes.com.au. Uh, still a couple of tickets left for the very first beer dinner, Beer Blokes Beer Dinner at the Terminus Hotel. Um, on the Monday to kick off Good Beer Week, uh, and you can contact the venue or you can get tickets through Good Beer Week. Uh, That's our gold medal beer dinner featuring uh, gold medal beers, award-winning beers from last year's uh, awards. And, Kira Lee, just just before we go, if I can just ask, I remember back at the Oscars a few years ago, it was an Australian actress maybe who um, featured wearing a dress made out of American Express, can we yes. is there a chance that we can see the beer diva with you know perhaps a beer theme one made out of i don't know bottle tops or beer <laughs> labels or something
1: i was just thinking some hot vines might be nice wrapped around me
3: <laughs> you have to bath yourself for Thanks. about three weeks afterwards to get rid of the smell
1: i know well that's right i would, wouldn't i i'd be quite happy i would uh, sleep with myself <laughs> yeah, no.
0: And, Kiralee, where can people follow your various musings and thoughts about beer?
1: Okay. Well, um, my website, um I am on Twitter. Um, I've got a lot of people following me, and I'm really not sure why they do because I'm not that active. But I will you know, pull my finger out one of these days, which is uh, beer underscore diva um and yeah on the website obviously uh, all the details of the events that i'm involved in for good beer week um particularly barley's angels which is our girls only uh tasting on the uh, thursday night of good beer week we've got uh, a few spaces left but not many so girls um if you want to come and enjoy great beers with other great women um get on on board and obviously um you can book those tickets through my website or i think through the good beer week site as well
0: excellent and i am matt Kierkegaard, editor of australian brews news you can read all the latest rantings i said to james earlier in the week that i'm thinking of changing the name to the cranky pint to his crafty pint uh tends to be a bit of a rant about things um but uh, uh, brewsnews.com.au uh, you can follow Bruce News at osbrewsnews on twitter and follow my me personally at goodbeermatt um, guys thank you very much it's always a pleasure um, it's always a pleasure for me to talk to you I'm interested to see whether it's a pleasure for anyone to listen to the four of us together <laughs>
1: thanks Matt we'll
0: wait and see and look forward to catching up during good beer week
2: cheers Matt
1: excellent cheers
3: Matt thanks, thanks for having us
0: thanks for being had <laughs>